Uh, But let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, help me to speak your word truthfully, help me to explain it helpfully, and apply it thoughtfully. Uh, Father, please give us hearts to hear what you are saying to us tonight, and may you strengthen our faith and our hope in you as we look at this psalm together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, in just two days' time, we are going to find out who the President of the United States of America will be uh, for the next four years. It will either be Donald Trump for four more years or Joe Biden, who will lead a new administration. And if you've been reading the headlines and following the political commentators, you'll know that in the eyes of many Americans, uh, there is a lot at stake in this election. Uh, For some, they see it, uh, the, the economy is at stake. Others think public safety is at stake. For others, it's the environment that's at stake. People's health is at stake. National security is at stake. The social fabric of the US is at stake in the eyes of some. It would seem that in the eyes of many, one guy or the other is either going to make or break the country. And that's why I think so many on both sides of the political equation are using the vocabulary of hope when it comes to one candidate or the other. I take this news headline, uh, which reads, America's only hope is Joe Biden. Or this Trump badge, which reads, Trump, America's last hope. But this isn't just a US thing. Many of us, I think, uh, almost by instinct, tend to put a fair bit of our hope in leaders and political parties because, well, I think that's who we believe has the most power uh, to give us the security and the happiness we long for. But notice how the words of this psalm that Yelena just read out for us turn that thinking upside down. You see, the psalmist here isn't getting his hope and security and joy from any earthly leader. It's all about the Lord. That's how it starts, isn't it, from verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. And then in verse 5, blessed. That is happy, secure, satisfied are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. See, the psalmist has found the one who is a true source of hope, and, and he wants to share that. He wants us to know that too. That's why in this psalm he, he puts the two candidates side by side and shows us the vast difference between them. On the one side, you have the princes, those in powerful and influential positions in authority. On the other side, you have the Lord. Two candidates, one choice. And if you want to avoid the disappointment of false hopes and enjoy the blessedness of true hope, then listen to what the psalmist says about each of these candidates. We'll start with the princes and then move to the Lord. So first, the psalmist presents to us the first possible candidate for hope, the princes. Look at what he says about them in verses 3 to 4 of the passage. Do not put your trust in princes, 
In human beings who cannot save, when their spirit departs, they were returned to the ground on that very day their plans come to nothing. So human princes might look good, appear strong, think smart, but they make poor candidates for our hope for two big reasons. They cannot save and they will not last. So first, princes cannot save. That's what it says in verse 3. Now what does the psalmist actually mean when he says save? I mean, you could argue that human rulers and people of influence are capable of saving in some sense. I mean, um, think about our current COVID-19 situation, for example. It could be argued that our chief medical experts have saved us from further spread uh, of the infectious disease through various lockdowns. It, It could be argued that our political leaders have saved a number of people's jobs and income through JobKeeper. Now, there's a sense in which that's true and we should be thankful to God for the gifts and resources he gives to our leaders. But it's also true that the power of our leaders is very limited. You see, they might be able to curtail the spread of COVID for now, but they can't promise that we won't uh, see another wave like is happening in Europe or the US. They can't guarantee our world will be free from pandemics forever. They can't bring back to life those who have already perished. They might be able to provide financial relief, um, but there is not an endless source of money to draw from. Our loans will one day come due. See, our world is one that is broken, dying, and unpredictable. It's a world in which we all walk through trials, we get sick, and we eventually die. Our leaders might be able to offer some level of short-term relief in times of prosperity, but they cannot save us from a fundamentally broken world that threatens us. But this is the sense of salvation that is often used in the Psalms, salvation from death itself, life in the face of death. See, it's unsettling to know that we live in an unpredictable world, in which we'll get sick and suffer and eventually die. But no human leader can truly save you from that reality. No human leader can promise you life beyond death. No human leader can promise you a world in which all the wrong things have been made right. And the psalmist is saying, don't be okay with that. Don't settle for trusting in someone who can't save you. Because as we'll see, there's another candidate who can. Princes cannot save. But second, princes cannot last. Like you and I, our leaders are mortals who grow weak, who get old, who die. Verse 4, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, Their plans come to nothing. Uh, If Lenin's mausoleum in Moscow has taught us anything, it's that the only way a leader is going to stick around for more than 100 years is if we preserve their corpse in a mix of factory-grade chemicals. But that's hardly an inspiring image to put your hope in, is it? 
See, like you and me, uh, the powerful and the influential in our world are only human. Sickness comes to them, age gets them, death finally claims them. Uh, This is what makes putting your hope uh, in them such a foolish thing to do. So even if you think they are the bee's knees, they're not going to stick around. Don't put your hope in something or someone that will not last. Princes only take their followers so far until they themselves wear out. Uh, Just think about even one of the greatest leaders of all time, Alexander the Great, only made it to about 33 years old. Uh, Arian, the ancient Greek historian, wrote of the many troops in Alexander's forces who flocked to their beloved leader when they heard that he was on his deathbed. The historian writes, nothing could keep them from the sight of him. And the motive in almost every heart was grief of a sort of helpless bewilderment at the thought of losing their king. Helpless bewilderment. You see, that's what happens when the one that we hope in passes away or loses their influence or power. See, I imagine there will be many Trump or Biden supporters who will feel helpless bewilderment in a few days' time if their guy doesn't get elected. And here's the thing. Even for those on the winning side of that night who don't feel that way, well, it's only another four more years before they too could have their hopes dashed. You see, there is no lasting security in human leaders. They and all their ambitious plans come to nothing. Verse 4, on that very day, their plans come to nothing. See, when a a leader goes, their plans go with them and someone else fills the power vacuum left behind. Now, maybe the new person keeps the uh, previous agenda, but more often than not, they bring in their own agenda. And we see this fleeting nature of plans in democratic societies, don't we? The plans or the vision or the agenda of a leader that we've put our hope in uh, may not disappear with their death, but certainly with his or her removal from office. I wonder if any of you had hopes set on the East-West Link back in 2014, only to see the next government tear up the contract. When the leader disappears, so do their plans. So don't put your trust in human beings, princes who cannot save. They will not last Uh, The psalmist is telling us that earthly princes are a bad candidate to put your hope in. If you want to avoid the frustration of being disappointed and disenchanted, don't go there. But we easily go there, don't we? I think there are some telltale signs that show us uh, where we are giving too much of our heart to a prince. It's when you feel that the things in this world, will only be okay if one particular person's elected. It's when you tend to play down or overlook the moral flaws of the leader you like. It's when you have a growing sense of frustration, maybe even hatred, towards any rival to your guy. It's when you feel crushed or 
hopeless when your leader or your party suffers defeat. I think there's been many times in my life when I feel like I've displayed some of those signs and I've found myself placing too much hope in human leaders who cannot save and will not last. And like every idol, that ends up being frustrating, not fulfilling. See, the leader is never quite the person you want them to be, never quite strong enough to stay around. Princes are bad candidates for hope, but they are actually good candidates for prayer. You see, when we embrace the fact that our leaders are mortal human beings, we won't just avoid trusting in them, be led to pray for them as God calls us to. You see, in the New Testament, Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Our leaders are mortal and have mortal bodies and wear out and get tired. And so aware of this, we should actually pray for them. You might not agree with everything Daniel Andrews says or does, uh, but that's okay. You can still pray for him out of love. I mean, he's been doing press conferences every day for 100 days. I assume that's tiring. Being in politics is physically demanding. Even just this week, Chris Hayes, a federal member of parliament, collapsed in parliament during a speech from a suspected heart attack. Let us love our mortal leaders by praying that God would sustain them. And knowing that they are human and therefore sinners like you and I, who are very capable of making poor decisions, let's pray that they would be wise and just in the decisions they do make. And during our time of prayer a bit later, Lizzie is going to pray for that. But God's word tells us that our leaders should be getting our prayers, but not our hope. If you want someone to fill your longing for true security, true freedom, and true joy, well, there is only one candidate in the battleground for your heart that can deliver, and that is the Lord. So let's consider the far greater candidate on display in this psalm, the Lord God. Uh, I got chatting to one of my neighbours at the start of the week just gone, just after Daniel Andrews. Uh, had announced the first easing of restrictions. Now, in true Aussie fashion, we both had a bit of a moan about uh, all the things we weren't getting as opposed to all the things we were getting. Well, it wasn't long into the conversation that my neighbour kind of decided to unload on all things political and politicians. And it was the usual kind of things that we can all say, you know, they can't be trusted, they've made things worse. And it quickly became one of those moments when where I had kind of two choices. I could quietly nod along and say nothing, or I could take the opportunity to kind of redirect him to a much better option for the ruler of the world in which he lives, God. Now, don't get me wrong, I've done the quiet nod thing on a number of occasions, but this time I thought I had to say something. So I said, look, I, I hear what you're saying, Politicians don't always get it right. In fact, yeah, they often disappoint us, don't they? 
That's why God is such a better ruler to trust in. Now, he took in what I said for a moment, and then he replied, yeah, but but God's not sitting in parliament, is he, where he can actually affect our lives? Now, maybe there are some of you out there who have thought that to yourself. God may be up there, but he's not down here in any way, or not in any real way that affects things. If we want our problems fixed, our freedoms maintained, our life better, it's actually got to come from the man or the woman sitting in parliament, even though we're never satisfied with that person. So how would you respond to someone like something like that, a statement like that? Well, in verses 5 to 10, we get the picture of how the psalmist might respond to a statement like that. And I think as we look at these verses, he'd respond by saying something like, oh, but you're wrong. The Lord does impact our lives. More than you know, he's powerful to save you. And he will be faithful to you if you trust in him. So they're the two points we're going to think about. Powerful to save and forever faithful. So the first reason to put your hope in the Lord is that he is powerful to save. And you see it there in verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So you put your trust in a human and you'll be burnt, but put your trust in God and you'll be blessed. Where humans cannot save, verse 3, God powerfully can. He is a true source of help. Humans can't bring life in the face of death. Humans can't bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity. Only God can. Humans can't take a broken and sinful world and make it new again, as God promises, and only God can. Humans can't offer lasting security or eternal joy. Only God can. Why? Because, verse 6, God is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. We'll get this one working. God is sovereign over all he has made. Therefore, our only hope for lasting life in this created world is going to be found in our creator, God, who offers life to us through trusting in him and him alone. And we see that in other Psalms. Take Psalm 33, for example. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. See, a powerful army won't save you. A smart man sitting in parliament can't ultimately save you. Only God can save you. Only he can deliver from death. I mean, just think about my friend's statement again. God's not sitting in parliament where he can actually affect our lives. Well, I think the psalmist is saying that it's precisely because God is not just a man sitting in parliament that we do have hope for ultimate help in our lives. 
You see, God doesn't just give you better roads, more schools, lower taxes. He gives you life itself. He is the God who sits enthroned in heaven and has abundant power to save anyone who trusts in him. He is powerful to save. But the second reason the psalmist says God is worthy of our trust is because he is forever faithful. You see, while human rulers might make big promises to us, they and all their plans will ultimately vanish like the morning mist. God, on the other hand, verse 6 remains faithful forever. And in verses 7 to 9, the psalmist lists all the different ways God's forever faithfulness is such good news for needy and desperate people. Now, I suspect that uh, most of us like the idea of a ruler or a politician who actually cares about the little guy, the person whose society is overlooked, the person who has to fight to stay hard in the game of life, Uh, In Australia, this person has perhaps become known as the little Aussie battler. And maybe you feel like you're a bit of a battler. Maybe you don't. But I think most of us like the idea of a ruler who actually cares about the beaten down battler. The psalmist is telling us here that if you want to find someone who genuinely cares about battlers, needy people, you need to go to God. He is faithful to those in need and delights to help them. I mean, just look at how God meets the unique needs of all these battlers in verses 7 to 9. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. I mean, this is a picture of God completely making right what is wrong in people's lives. Now just think about how unimaginably good these words are for a sinful and sick and broken world like ours. You know, you've been oppressed. God comes in and says, I'll give you justice. You're hungry, I'll feed you. You feel trapped, I'll free you. You're blind, perhaps spiritually, I'll make you see the truth. You're beaten down, I'll lift you up again. You're hated because of your righteousness, well, I'll love you. You feel like an outcast, I'll welcome you and I'll watch over you. You're on your own, I'll sustain you. See, the psalmist is clear, God is faithful to right the wrongs to right wrongs and help the needy. Uh, During his acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention in 2016, uh, Donald Trump famously said these words, I have joined the political arena so that the powerful can no longer beat up on people who cannot defend themselves. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Uh, But I think it's those words, I alone. I alone. It's a huge claim which I think powerful and influential people throughout history have made. I alone will look after you. I alone will make you safe, make you happy. I alone will fix what's wrong with society. I'll fix the problems. 
But as the psalmist has already shown us, no human can fully back up that claim. See, that is a claim, though, that God is making here. Five times in verses 7 to 9, the psalmist uses God's name, Yahweh, or the Lord. He's saying the Lord alone in each one of those verses. It is the Lord alone who ultimately comes to people's aid and helps them completely. Not Trump, not Biden, not Morrison. There is not anyone who can truly, ultimately, eternally defend, help, and give life to people in need. That is God alone. So how do we know, though, that God is not just like any other uh, politician throughout history who's made a big promise but has delivered little? Well, this is how we know. We know because God has already shown us that he can pull off a big claim like that. I mean, the psalmist could look at God's history with Israel, for example, and say, our God is in the business of helping needy people. I mean, he rescued the people of Israel when they were enslaved, oppressed, and bowed down in Egypt. He gave them life, land, and a future. But we even have better evidence than that of God's power. We can look to God's great faithfulness to needy people in the work of Jesus. We can look to Jesus and know that God is capable of us, of giving us the life that we long for, where we know that true security, freedom, and joy. See, when Jesus came into our world, he showed us that he had all the power and has all the power of God outlined in this psalm. He showed us that he was king over creation by silencing the wind and the waves. He showed us that he has power to feed the hungry, give sight to the blind, raise the dead, set people free from oppression. He showed his care for the vulnerable, giving a widow back her dead son. But Jesus showed us that he has actually come to meet the ultimate need that each one of us has. The need for forgiveness of sins. You see, we are people who have rebelled against God and seek to live life on our own terms, not his. We have sinned before God and we face the punishment of death. But Jesus, our true and trustworthy king, came to save us from that by dying for us, taking our punishment for sin on himself at the cross And in rising from the dead, Jesus showed us that he alone has power to give us that resurrection life too, as we trust him. That kind of spiritual, eternal, and satisfying life that we read of in verses 7 to 9 of this psalm. See, those who trust in Jesus will find a faithful helper and saviour of sinners They will experience his faithful love and care in this life as he sustains them through all the ups and downs, all the joys and sorrows. He will give them grace to endure through all sorts of trials and a sure hope of heaven that cannot be taken from them. You see, on that final glorious day, Jesus our King will return to us and bring verses 7 to 9 of this psalm to complete fulfillment. We will live with our Saviour King forever in a world 
where every wrong will be made right. In that world, there will be no more opposition, no more injustice, no more hunger, imprisonment, disability, sadness, exclusion. It is Jesus who will wipe every tear away from his people's eyes. Jesus who will do away with death, mourning, crying, pain. It is King Jesus who says to you, his followers, in Revelation 21, verse 5, Behold, I am making all things new. See, when you realize that King Jesus is the candidate you've put your hope in, you'll actually sing along with the psalmist in verse 10, The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. See, princes reign for a moment, but Jesus reigns forever. And if you don't know uh, that great hope that is found in Jesus, well, come and find out more of him. I'm happy to share more of Jesus with you. Jesus won't disappoint you like so many other rulers of this world. You will find true security, true life, true joy in him. But if you're a follower of Jesus already, I hope this psalm has reminded you why you can praise the Lord if your hope is in Jesus. Because if your hope is in Jesus, you too can sing, Praise the Lord. For I know I am always on the winning side with Jesus. Premiers come and go, but he remains, he rules. No matter who is president or who is prime minister, Jesus is always king. And you can sing, praise the Lord, for I know I've got a candidate, a king who truly fights for me. It's not just words with him. He died for me, and now he lives to sustain and help me. Uh, Throughout history, kings and queens have sent their people out to die for them. Jesus is the only king who went out to die for his people and truly saved them. And you can sing, praise the Lord, because I've got a ruler who is worth speaking about. You see, so often it's hard to get super enthused and and vocal about our earthly rulers because often they have traits or parts of their agenda that just aren't that great. There's always something that kind of spoils things. But when you actually see Jesus for who he truly is, you cannot fault him. He is a compelling king that others find attractive when they get to know him. I was chatting with my neighbor, as I was chatting with my neighbor, who I mentioned earlier, I said to him, I'd love to share more of Jesus with you. And he replied, as he has in the past, I won't say yes and I won't say no. I'm happy to sit on the fence with this one. But I said, well, I reckon if you poked your head over uh, the other side to Jesus' side of the fence, you'd actually really like what you see. You see, Jesus isn't a con man. He's not rude or off-putting. He's not self-interested or weak. He's a great king who is worth sharing with other people who also long for lasting and real hope. 
Uh, on Wednesday, following the US election, you'll likely see footage of thousands of Victoria supporters cheering in big crowds. It'll either be Team Biden or Team Trump. They'll be ecstatic if one of their guys has won. Uh, when you see those images on your news feed or in the papers, just remember that Jesus actually promises us a victory rally too. In Revelation 7 verse 9, Jesus says this, uh, God's word says this, After I looked, and there before me, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, the people of that rally, of Jesus' rally, won't be dressed in red, they won't be dressed in blue, they'll be dressed in white robes, gathering as forgiven people, forever saved, forever secure, forever celebrating. Which crowd would you rather find yourself in? You see, don't settle for the hope, uh, don't settle for the fleeting hope of an earthly prince. Put your hope in the candidate, the king, who is powerful to save and forever faithful. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please be merciful to us. Please keep us from the folly of putting our hope in earthly princes. May we see Jesus as the glorious and good King he is and rejoice that we are his people. We praise you that as people of King Jesus we have come to know that deep and satisfying life that is truly secure, truly free, truly joyful. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.